are here for a reason. Breaking down the Brotherhood, one prayer at a time. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion, get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Right On Radio. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Jeff, and today I've got a really great show for you. Today we're going to be talking about a subject. Don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. You're going to want to see this. Uh, We're going to be talking about human trafficking. But a lot of the time and a lot of people in our movement and the truthers uh, movement, we always focus on, you know, there's kids in tunnels and and the kids that go missing that come across the border and stuff like that. But there's other types of human trafficking. And if you don't think that America is Babylon, by the end of this interview, you might just think so because North America is so rampant in human trafficking. And we're going to talk about more pimps and prostitution and things like that today. And I just think you're going to have your eyes opened up a lot. And we're going to talk about a film that has just come out that I know you're going to love. And we're going to tell you how to see it right after this. And by the way, it is going to be free for you to see. So uh, stay tuned. But before I get there, I'm going to play you just a small clip of the movie, and then I'm going to bring the producer of the movie on. I just want you to see the professionalism, and I think it sets it up well. So just give me a moment here to share my screen. This is the intro to Freedom Cry. It's a scary thing because you're getting into somebody's car. You have no idea. You could be taken against your will at, at any point in time. He sugarcoated it so well that we didn't really know that he was a pimp. We were going to be prostituting. It was basically me trying to get them attached to me so that ultimately they can give us money. He told me everything that I wanted to hear. I mean, I've watched a person put a gun in their mouth and pull the trigger and I couldn't do anything about it. I'd almost done that. I was already sexually active and looking for attention from guys. Easy picking. Actually, girls have surpassed the drug trade industry. So it used to be drugs were the number one and now girls are. And the average age at which they start going into this life is 12 to 14 years old. Did you catch that? 12 to 14 years old, people start getting into it. So it is about the kids, is it not? Uh, man, th- th- this movie was really, really well done. And uh, I got to admit, it's a bit of a tearjerker towards the end, but in a good way, a way that honors God 
and how God has helped pull these people out. And so without further ado, let me bring on the producer of the movie. She's been on right on radio once before. Please welcome back Mary Crowley. Mary, hey, welcome yeah. back to right on radio. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. So Mary, my first question to you is a really simple one. And I know this project started a long time ago, about five years ago, you said, but uh, what motivated you to do this movie? Well, I've been working, you know, as a producer in Hollywood in Los Angeles, and uh, I had a studio where I was interviewing, you know, many people. And uh, there was always a thread that ran through some of the interviews uh, with trafficking. In about 2017, I was invited to go to Thailand, and I brought my videographer, and we started going into Bangkok and Pattaya and uh, got some really great interviews and, and different things. But when I got back, I heard the voice of God speak to me and say, I don't want you to do this about Thailand or overseas. I want you to do it about America. And so then I interviewed Liz Crokin, um, who is a fairly well-known uh, journalist. Um, she's also been banned and a number of things because of the content that she's releasing out there. But when I interviewed her, um, I really went down the rabbit hole. I mean, I didn't even know what MKUltra was, mind control. I had no clue what some of this stuff was, and I was pretty awake. And so as I did that, I mean, I just started getting interviews, and uh, it took me five years to do this. I mean, my director, editor, who I worked with for many years, died a month before my first premiere in Dallas um, in you know last year, in 2021 of October. So I had to get a whole new director to piece it all together. We finally launched it um, in Georgia a few weeks ago. We did the premiere at the Governor's Gun Club in Atlanta because God told me Georgia was the head of the snake. And then the Guidestones came down, you know, of course, in, in July. So, you know, we're on a path here to get as many people awake as possible. So that, that's, that's the beginning of, of how it initially started. Well, thank you for that. And uh, you know what? I, I do say that there's a real big problem with Atlanta as well. Uh, busiest airport, or one of the busiest in the world, actually busiest in North America. And uh, listen, they just, there's so much stuff that goes through there. And uh, it is kind of, there, there's so many spots in the United States, honestly, you know, when you look at California and, and actually you're uh your movie here focuses on that in some in one of the sections on pornography and things like that. But first of all, so Mary, just before we get into the actual film itself and the content, which I thought was really brilliantly put together, uh, how what what was Mary Crowley's role? You were the producer. What what did you do in the film? Obviously, you had a film crew, and you had to get to the people that were interviewed for it. Tell me about the making of it. Well, as I said, there was always a theme running through. And I remember, you know, years ago, you know, when I was junior high, the very first time I saw a kid on a milk carton and have you seen me? And it was this fresh face, you know, kind of plump cheek, freckled face kid named Johnny Gosh. And it never left my mind. Little did I realize, you know, like about 10, some, I don't even remember how many years ago, but uh, a friend of mine that actually saw one of my shows um, on cable 
because uh, I used to have a, a syndicated show on different cable channels in different parts of the country named Tony Nassif. He had preventing abuse. And he emailed me and he said, I'd, I'd like to come on your show. And Tony came on and shared about the abuse. And he shared about Noreen Gosh and Johnny Gosh. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's that kid on that milk carton that I saw years ago. So ultimately, I ended up going to this conference he had in L.A. and I interviewed Noreen. And the story she told, Johnny was abducted at 12 years old right from middle, middle America, Des Moines, Iowa. You can't get any more all-American than that. I mean, I always think of Field of Dreams. You know, if you build it, yeah, even that's right. my favorite movie, um, one of them anyway. And so uh, when Noreen told me her story as Johnny was abducted, the police didn't want to do anything in the town. She had to get her own private investigator. Finally, uh, 12 years, America's Most Wanted, four times. There was clues, but never actually, you know, they never found Johnny. So finally, she was on the Lisa Gibbons show, shared her story. She said, Johnny, your father and I are no longer married. We're no longer living in the same home that you were raised in. My address is in a Des Moines phone book. Please come home, Johnny. Now, this, this is amazing, <laughs> Jeff, excuse me. Three months later, in the middle of the night, she tells me there was a knock at the door. She goes, looks out the people, and she hears her son's voice saying, Mom, it's me, Johnny. And she opens the door, and there he was, now in his 20s, with another kid his age, sits down on the couch. He said, Mom, I was abducted by an elite pedophile ring that goes up to the highest levels of government, entertainment, and business. And he said, I eventually escaped, but it's very dangerous. I've got to stay hidden. And so that's what really intrigued me when I interviewed Noreen. So I just started, God always highlighted it to me. And, and people were always brought to me that, that had another piece to the puzzle. And when I interviewed Liz Crokin and she started telling me about Pizzagate oh, yeah. and Pedogate and all these things, that's when, as I started really researching, Johnny Gosh's story tied in with the Franklin conspiracy out of Omaha, Nebraska. Again, another middle-aged, you know what I mean, middle-aged, middle-class American town. This guy named Lawrence King. So there's these threads that run through it. And people might not want to hear about trafficking. I mean, it's not like I want to be thinking about this either. But if we don't go and help these kids, if we don't get this message out there, to me, I look at it this way, Jeff, that the blood's on our hands. Well, you know what? I've said this many times, but when I found out what was happening to the kids, I always knew politicians were corrupt and everything else. But when I found out what was actually happened to the kids, like that first time I heard that statistic, 800,000 kids go missing and no one notices, you know, uh, a year in the U.S. So, you know, when I heard that and. It's just, more like a million. It's actually more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that, but that's kind of the published statistic. And, uh, and I literally just said, I, there's no way I'm going to say I knew and I did nothing when I stand before the Lord. And, you know, that, that just, it, and I think we have to, everything like this that we see, we have to have that, we have to start fighting. The church has to stand up and start doing these things. The, you know, the regular church now uh, that doesn't even address any of this stuff, and I get why they don't. But we've allowed the enemy to operate unimpeded. Well, and part of the problem is, Jeff, some of the churches involved with it. 
And that comes out quite clearly in this documentary. That was probably the one of the shocking moments in this movie uh, that got me when, uh, you know, some of these prostitutes, you know, and it was more than one, they, they, they had a hard time coming to Christ and coming out of this because they, they, they would literally be servicing pastors in the parking lot before they go in and do their service. Yeah, now we're not throwing them all in there, but what you see with some of these mega churches, and you know, I don't throw stones at anybody. In fact, the Bible says to let the wheat and the tares grow up together, and at the harvest, the the tares will stand up straight and the wheat will bow. So God's going to separate the wheat and the tares. So I believe that we need to pray, but we're going to see. I believe Jeff, a lot of people exposed, a lot of people exposed in this, and we got to pray for people because it's the amount of money the corruption, you know, being in Hollywood, a lot of these people take the deal and the devil comes to them and says, I'll give you fame. I'll give you power. I'll give you all this. If you'll just bow. And, you know, you see the one eye, you know, the Illuminati, you see all those signs. Um, you know, a lot of the people you see in Hollywood that have become very famous, oftentimes they've done these deals with the Illuminati, these high level people that control a lot of these mountains of media and arts and entertainment. That's why, you know, I call it the unholy trinity, Jeff. It's big tech, big pharma. But the media is the false prophet that keeps pushing out their, you know, their stuff, their fear porn and all their narratives that there might be truth in it. But if you put the truth and a lie together, it's still a lie. It absolutely is. And and you wonder, you know, how these uh, actors and actresses who give the news out you know, can do this with a smile on their face and stuff like that. You know that song Dirty Laundry by Don Henley? I think it's one of the most truthful lyrics out there uh, because it is true, the dirty laundry. But what people don't understand, and part of the reason why, you got to remember the prince of the air and kids are a big part of the devil's business, okay? Because when you look at a kid in particular, they're about as close as you can get to God because they're there's less blame there. As we grow up, we get more sin in our lives and you know how that, that, that story goes. But so, so why do these kids go unreported and why, like the, the amount of, and I know right where I live outside of Toronto, this is a major trafficking hub right where I live. It's major. I have some friends who fight against it and I've gone to a couple rallies against it. But why is it not reported? And here's something you would know. In fact, verify this for me. I've never said this on the show before. But these people who read the news and stuff like that, they're actually signing entertainment contracts. Mm -hmm. uh, well, are you asking me the question? Is this what they're doing? Yes. I, I, do you know that? I'm not really sure about that, um, you know, but all I know why it's not reported. I mean, we don't know. All I know is that, you know, for instance, the Child Protective Services, CPS and foster care, you know, Bill Clinton passed the Adoption and Safe Families Act in 1997, eight, somewhere around there, which pretty much weaponized the system, uh, you know, that they got so much money for every child that was taken, anywhere from four to $6,000. And then the longer they're in the system, the more money they get with foster care. California alone, according to stats and people I know that work in this, you know, that to, to expose it, say they get $30 billion alone in California. So if they need more money, they need to get more kids. 
And so, you know, somebody that, you know, there is children that need to be taken away from the home because of abuse, but 90% of the people that are taken, the kids that are taken out of the homes would be much better if they are kept in the home instead of being taken out and putting in foster care. There is some good foster care parents and there's some good CPS workers, but there's a lot of them are corrupt. And, um, and so that's where half of them come in is through CPS and foster care. Yeah, it's a, it's a racket. And by the way, it won't get, go down the rabbit hole, but Obamacare really uh, finished off what Bill Clinton had started with that mm-hmm. and uh, made it much easier for traffickers. But this is what your movie is all about, is the trafficking. But it you take a different way of looking at it. You're more face, you know, you talk about more the prostitution, the pimp, the pornography and how that opens up the gates and lowers the age of people coming into it. Um, and the movie, well, and we don't out- call it like even Tony Rikakis, who is the district attorney in Orange County, California, the largest and richest county in the country. He was 20 years the DA. And, uh, he said, we used to call them prostitutes. Now we realize that they're victims and, uh, you know, we call them trafficked, you know, the prostitutes kind of an old word from the standpoint of, uh, these girls have been groomed. Um, they've been enticed and seduced. I go into the different ways of how they get seduced, um, how they get groomed. And even the pimps, you know, you look at it or the traffickers are actually victims too. How did they become? I mean, they were all little kids and babies one time. What made them grow up to be, (coughs) you know, a a pimp or a trafficker? And so we try to get it from all angles. Let me just take a drink. Hold on a minute. Well, you know what? And I'm glad you do that. I want to take them one by one because it, it starts off with the grooming process. And, you know, that word is a big buzzword in even the mainstream media now, because we look at, uh, you know, this fashion company, Balencia and stuff like that. And it's, it's grooming. And so it's a big word. Everyone is saying it right now, but you actually address from firsthand experience, it's addressed on how the different methods these people were groomed. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, you know, there's different ways of grooming, but, you know, one of the main ways is there's, you know, they call these different pimps, you know, like the Romeo pimp or the gorilla pimp. The Romeo pimp is, is a pimp or trafficker that will, you know, groom the girl through a romance. And, you know, like uh, Ashley, who's one of the girls in the film, she was 14 years old when she was literally um, groomed right under her parents' household. Um, the story is, I always like to tell stories because people can wrap their minds around stories, not statistics. Um, she stayed at a friend's house. Um, she was given permission by her parents, 14 years old. And this girl wanted to sneak out to go down the street to a party, which wasn't good, you know, but remember when we were both kids, I mean, I did stuff, you did stuff, I'm sure. Everybody watching has done some stuff. Um, <laughs> so she snuck out and there was this party and the other girl was went with some other young man. And so she was kind of left alone. And this tall, good looking guy comes up to her and starts telling her everything she wanted to hear, how beautiful she was, you know, and all these different things. And like Ashley said, wow, I thought this guy was, you know, an answer, you know, to my dreams. And every day, she said, from then on out, um, she started hanging out with this guy. Now, she was 14. I have a daughter now who's grown. But if I would have had a guy come to the door driving a BMW 
that was several years or older, I would have immediately said, you know what? I'm sorry, you know, buddy, goodbye. But this family was just naive. Um, and, you know, she said every day we went out. And one day, this is interesting, kind of what Satan did to Jesus, took her up like in Hollywood Hills, showed her this beautiful home. And she, she said, this one day we'll have a home like this. And she just said, I, I thought he was my prince. Until the following day, she said, we were just hanging out in the park. And he looked at me, slapped me in the face. And he said, now you're going to work for me. And if you tell your parents or anybody, he said, we, we will kill your family. Because he had a couple older pimps that were grooming him. And yeah. so, you know, they can and they will. So the situation, it was groomed little by little. But eventually there comes a point that it kind of reels them in. And through fear and intimidation, and actually, and he even drugged her, um, gave her an aspirin, she thought, and it was actually a roofie of some sort. And so this is what these people do. And um, so it's an enticing thing. It's a grooming um, situation. And, and it is really a form of mind control in many ways. Like, it, you know, one of the things, and, and I'll tell you, this is one of the, when I was watching the film, I had an issue with this one part because it's almost giving instruction on how to do it. That's how candid uh, the people are in telling their stories. And you actually have a pimp on here telling his side of the story as well. And, you know, when I, when I hear that and I hear it's like instruction, like it's, it's important for people to know how it happens so you can prevent it. But I always wonder who's going to hear this and think, oh, wow, that's how you do it and weaponize that information. And, you know, it, it reminds me, I, you know what, I won't go separately, but uh, so, so what do you say about that? Because it is a bit dangerous putting out this type of information. Well, Mark Miles, actually, he's now a pastor, but he was groomed himself. He was groomed by pimps. He had gotten, you know, arrested, put in jail. And he said a lot of the pimps saw him and really liked his charisma. And they started showing him what they did, what how they did it. And that's why he was groomed as well. And so I think it's pretty standard statistics of what they do. I mean, um, he said what we would do is I would tell them what they wanted to hear. If they wanted to be, you know, a star in the music industry, I'd say, okay, I've got a recording studio. I'll bring you over here. He would tell them and basically build them up to be what they thought they wanted to be. And that's what he would do. That's who he would be. And so, um, you know, it's pretty standard statistic stuff, but I, I can understand why you might have that, you know, opinion. Well, you know what, as I, as I went through the film, I got past it. Um, you know what, there, there's just, there's so much temptation out there. And, and one of the things is when it comes up, um, there's one part in the movie where the claim is, and it's hard to tell exactly how much money they make, you know, obviously they don't file for taxes, but um, the average pimp, it said, has six girls working at a time, and that could work out to about $1.2 million per year. Yeah, the DA, the DA actually told me four girls can generate about a million dollars tax-free. So, you know, the thing is, it's all about the money. That's why it's surpassing drug trafficking, because with drugs, you get caught. Typically, you'll go to jail. But with a girl, oftentimes they have the Stockholm Syndrome, where, you know, they become attached to their trafficker. And eventually, the girls oftentimes, like Ashley, this happened in her case, 
she fell in love with her pimp, her trafficker. Yeah. And so he started having her go and get other girls to come and work for him. This is what the Epstein story as well with that Galene Maxwell. This is what happened. Uh, you know, they were working and oftentimes the girls that they got would actually recruit other girls. And That's so right. it's pretty standard about what they do. But it's it is. And, you know, one of the reasons I got past that objection and, you know, I just, I just, I hate temptations being put out there. And when, you know, say, look, here's how you do it. And 1.2 million bucks a year, you know, that is a temptation for some people. But as I watched the film, I became much more relaxed about that, Mary, uh, because first of all, the person watching this film isn't going to be the one who goes out and starts to do that, you know, and when, and what told me that really is when we got in, when it gets into the pimp section. And you don't think of pimps as victims because they, they're abusive. They victimize people. But how did they get there? Because it's not in, you're not made to do terrible things to humans. A lot of the time, there's terrible things that happened to them that brought them to this place. Well, and one of the girls, Jacqueline, that we interviewed, you know, <clears throat> all these stories are different. They're all totally different stories. And, uh, you know, she was actually from a wealthy family and her mom just said, you know, hey, you're not doing anything with your life. She kind of kicked her out of the house and she met this, you know, this gentleman and he happened to be African-American. Now, the statistic is not just that they're all black that are that are traffickers or pimps, but no. this one in, in case was and he was getting ready to go to college. And he said, he goes, I'm kind of worried. He goes, I'm not really sure how I'm going to make a living in college. And she said, being her caring self, like, well, I can help. How can I help you? And basically, this this gentleman brought her to meet his mother, who his mom had been trafficked or prostitute, and his dad was a pimp. So the mom literally trained her on what to do to go out on the street to bring in some money for her son when he went to college. But it's like the, the frog in the tepid water, you know, Jeff slowly yeah. you know it gets because you think well who like she said i never thought of myself doing this but slowly over time you know the thoughts start coming in and she started thinking well and and then before you know it she goes i had my first you know trick or whatever told me what to dress out in the street car pulls up we go around the corner do our business and she goes i hand him the money and so that's how it started with her you know a girl in a well well-to-do white family that gets groomed by a young man who'd been born to a prostitute and a pimp or a trafficked woman and her, and her pimp. So all different cases. And this is why, Jeff, we can't judge because we don't know. And that's why that's I right. don't try to throw stones at any of these people. And that's why I felt God said, you've got to also show that the pimps or the traffickers are also victims. These are all people, they're human beings, and the real, the perpetrator in back of all of these things is Satan. Yes. One, it's all about money. It's all about power. It's all about fame. And that's why the, the children, you know, if you can't get to God, what you get to is the things closest to God is the little children. I mean, I can't even imagine, Jeff, of somebody even being attracted. I mean, 12 to 14 is one thing, but you're see, now seeing some of these sick pedophile things they're talking about that you're even talking about babies. I mean, I can't even get my mind around that. No, we're not. We're not built to think this way. Like it's just not natural. It's it's supernaturally evil. 
That's right. And that's why, you know what we have, but we have to understand it <laughs> because if we don't expose it and if we just keep like putting our head like la la la, like I don't want to know. Like when I got back from Thailand and I started talking about this, it's like I was amazed that people just didn't want to know. And I said, you know what? I understand. I'd rather be doing something else. I would rather be preaching because I'm also a minister preaching, you know, like about positive things and in happiness and all this. But you know what? If we don't talk about what the Lord says to do, um, we need to tell the truth. And it says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And That's just right. like abortion. I mean, you know, how many babies were aborted every year? And now, thank God that Roe versus Wade got overturned, but it's state by state issue. But, you know, this is just what they did back in the Old Testament with Baal and Moloch worship. They were literally sacrificing their babies to these gods, which is Satan, and it gave them power. There is power in the blood and doing these things. There is power, and that's why they do it. That's right. So one of the other things, and then it, it, it gets into the life of it, and the life, as you can imagine, is abhorrent, but it's really probably much more dangerous than I even expected. And tell me about some of the stories that they have about the dangers in living that life. Well, and that's what they call it. Often don't, they don't say that I'm, I'm being trafficked. They said I'm in the life. That's their language. And my director, Fred, who passed away, said, we need to do a series. Because originally, Jeff, this was going to be a six-part docuseries. Um, and then what happened when, you know, COVID hit and everything was shut down and and then God said, just make it into, uh, you know, one one documentary, and then you can start breaking it down into different parts of the series. Instead of six parts, I'll probably have two more parts after this. <clears throat> one of them will be on the pornography and the grooming part alone, because that's probably the biggest part. But like Kelly Patterson, um, I have a new book called um, Freedom Cry Women Fighting Trafficking, because it's interesting, like James Rothstein, who's also known as Jimmy Boots. Um, I interviewed him. He was a former NYPD detective and, uh, you know, he worked in, in New York and he was made a detective to investigate the pimps and the trafficking rings, the pedophiles. And he said he started getting to the highest levels to expose the top people. And then the feds would step in and say, national security, we got to shut it down. And he said, wow. it always, he said, never, never fails. National security is what they said. And so he said to me, Mary, if we can get the women or the mothers involved, he goes, we can stop it. And so I started an organization called Women Fighting Trafficking. And um, Jimmy had a plan, but it was kind of like a 25-year plan from years ago. And so I said, okay, God, I, I know you're going to give me the plan to do this. But I started getting these stories of women. I have the book. It's called The Mission, The Movie, and The Movement. But then we have 10 stories of women that had either been trafficked or are working in the anti-trafficking space. One of the ladies in the book, her name is Kelly Patterson. I met her in South Dakota when I was speaking at a 4th of July event a couple of years ago. And she wrote a book from trafficked to treasured. And she got trafficked at six years old, Jeff, by a pedophile, <laughs> by a pedophile ring in, again, a small town America in South Dakota. And it was a well-known man in town, a neighbor that everybody knew, very well-known, everybody liked. And he started grooming her like, what a beautiful little girl. And they trusted him enough that after a few years of this, 
she was went with him somewhere and she said, I went into a place that they were all sitting in a circle, took my clothes off and passed her around. I don't know. She didn't go into detail what they did. They said, just don't leave a mark on her body. And once again, they said, if you tell anybody, we're going to, we know you have a little sister. We're going to go after your little sister and we'll hurt your family. The same type of intimidation. So she said, the average victim of trafficking only lives seven years and only a small percentage even get out. Many of them die. They're either overdosed on drugs or killed by their pimps. Or, um, and, and so what I'm saying, this statistic, and, and, you know, it's, it's something that in our minds, I always tell people when I do interviews on my show, Jeff, I always tell them, you guys don't believe there's people this evil. And that's why you don't want to know about it because you think if you think about it, it's going to almost happen to you. But you have to know about it because the way they groom kids, we're talking about they groom children through the video games. They, like when you're in there, your kid's playing, a lot of times they're talking with other people in the chat rooms. And a lot of these guys are older guys looking and trolling for kids. And it's not just girls. A lot of them are looking for young boys too. So it's the grooming process. They do it in schools. They have a, an older girl. They call her a bottom girl, maybe a senior in high school that's looking for girls in ninth grade. Um, like Mark Miles, who was in my film, he's one of the pimps. He said, I'd look for shy ones, ones that couldn't look me in my eye. And so they start trying to build up their self-esteem, their ego. And, uh, you know, so one of the girls in the film, Veronica Stevens, she said, somebody comes up to you and says, you're so beautiful. She said, look them in the eye and say, thank you and walk away. And that's what we have to build up our kids. We have to build them up to have trust, to talk to the parents because Satan always works in darkness. You know what I mean? He always hides. He works in darkness. But we have to have our kids that are able to talk to us and be able to tell truths to us without feeling a uh, fear of, uh, you know, being in trouble. You mentioned the video games and uh, one of the spots in the film is not only the video games that, uh, you know, people talk and that's a danger, but some of the video games really entice this type of material. And I know there was a game that became worldwide famous that came out years ago. And I just know this from people who have played it. I haven't, uh, but there's a game called Grand Theft Auto. And in that you actually earn money by raping, virtually raping women and then pimping them out. And this is a game that almost like so many kids played around the world. <clears throat> yeah. In fact, Opal Singleton, who actually has an organization called Million Kids, she was the one in the um, in the documentary that that talks about, you know, they're looking for, uh, you know, runaway kids, homeless kids, um, foster care kids. Or she said, anybody who plays on the Internet, doesn't that open up a big wide door? She told me about the Grand Theft Auto. I never heard about it. But she said, you can actually kill a prostitute, uh, buy a prostitute. I mean, you're right. This very thing, it's almost grooming our kids to desensitize the fact that these are, are women. They're, you know, they're victims and they're human beings. But yeah, I heard about that movie. I never, my kids are grown now, but I never let them. And that play. game, that game is about 20 years old now. Games, I'm sure, have gotten worse because everything has gotten worse. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sure of it, too. So that's why we have to take back the media mountain, uh, Jeff, and the arts and entertainment mountain. And that's why Hollywood, I mean, you look at 
over the weekend and over the last couple of months, I mean, Disney put out this Buzz Lightyear movie where I guess there was two of the, you know, people that, that were lesbian that got married and they, they're putting out this content that is bombing at the box office. Yeah, people don't want it. They don't want it, but they're little by little trying to add this stuff in there to desensitize. That's why like even in like the, the kindergarten and first grade and second grade, they're trying to introduce this pornography, you know, pornographic material into these kids. And it's like the parents are, you know, angry, but I always put my kids in, in private Christian, but a lot of people might not be able to afford that, but I don't care whatever it takes right now. I wouldn't have my kid in a public no school. I wouldn't either. There's no way. So we, we talked about the video games and, and that's how it gets it. And there was some shocking information that I did not know about the porn industry and how this all ties in. Tell me about the porn a little bit. Well, the pornography, you know, one of the stories, Caleb Altmeyer, um, he's got HRC Ministries. Him, His dad was a pastor. His grandfather was a pastor. And, you know, they had a great home. He was next door. See, this is the thing, you guys listening. You might not let your kid have a phone or watch certain things on TV, but the kid down the street does. Uh, you know, and this is why you have to warn your child at a young age. Like he was next door watching TV and they were flipping through the channels and the grandfather, I guess, you know, had a porn channel. And so they flip on this channel and watching, you know, pornography. Well, of course, boys are going to be like, wow, look at this. And, uh, you know, they say the average boy will be probably brought, kind of be introduced to pornography anywhere from eight to 12 years old. And so what happens, it does something to their brain that it actually affects the area of making goal-making decisions, and it's highly addictive. So what happened, Caleb saw this, and little by little, he started watching porn until he got addicted to pornography, which, you know, a lot of people, a lot of young men are addicted to porn, not just young men either. Um, a lot of pastors, and this is sad, but a lot of pastors uh, watch something inappropriate, according to statistics, once a week. That's why you're not hearing uh, people in the pulpit talk about pornography. Uh, and so we're not throwing any stones at them. But let me tell you, um, and I've shared this with you on the, on the show before when you interviewed me. Um, God spoke to me um, when I was doing my Freedom Ball in Beverly Hills a few years ago, fundraiser for my film. And he said, tell the men that they're not a pimp, a pirate, or a pawn, but they're princes and kings. And he said, that's who they're called to be. And so God isn't shaming anybody about this. He's telling you, this is your better than this. The average age, uh, you know, you know, now what's happening is so many kids are getting addicted to porn that they can't even be intimate, like in a marriage or when they eventually have a girlfriend because they're so wired to watch porn be before right. being internet that, that they can't even, you know, have a normal, you know, sorry for the verbiage erection. So, Veronica said the average age of erectile dysfunction now is 30 years old, 30. So Whoa. I mean, you're looking at this going like, wait a minute, what's going on here? They're so wired for porn and 30% of girls now are addicted to porn because they're making pornography more like for the girls, like romance novels. And that used to be kind of woman's porn, the romance novels, uh, you know? And um, so, so what I'm saying, this is how they groom the people. And so I believe, Jeff, we need to tell our kids when they're young, like even like you talk about the stove's hot, don't touch this and that. Don't do that. You don't walk across the street. There could be a car. 
we need to tell them because they're taking these iPads when kids are doing their, their schoolwork and they're breaking into their iPad and they're putting hardcore porn on. I know three people that this has happened to their kids. So what you need to tell your kids, listen, if you see something like this, and they, they probably will at some point, immediately tell me because it's going to do something to your brain that that will affect it if you continue to watch it. Um, and and you need to tell your, you know me right away. And we need to tell kids about this and warn them. Because, you know, Jeff, I've told people about it. Like sometimes you'll talk to a man and they say, oh, boys will be boys. You know, you know, the old saying, boys will be boys. Yeah. You know, I know some people that said that, that dad took him to a strip club, you know, um, you know, wanting to introduce him to to I, I don't know what they're trying to introduce him to. But it's, God, it's so God, destructive. Well, God created, you know, sex. He created it not just for procreation. He created for intimacy in marriage so that you could be one. It's not like, you know, the enemy or Satan has tried to make it so dirty, like lust and sex. And God, you know, made it. It was intimacy between a man and a woman in marriage. But I believe, Jeff, that that's getting ready to come back again. God is going to do a great awakening in, in, in the world, America and the world, where it's going to be cool to be a Christian again. It's going to be cool to be pure again. God said women are to be holy, not hoes. And men are to be prince, princes, not pimps. So I just want to encourage everybody. We might look at some of this dark stuff because we have to expose it. But there's going to be a wave of God's spirit that's going to so come. And, and the first thing that happens when a wave hits, you know, it, it like, you know, look at the tsunami that happened in Indonesia. It brought a lot of destruction. But when it pulled back, it exposes what's underneath. And so there's a lot of exposing right now of things underneath that we need to see in order for it to be cleaned out. You know what? I want to come into agreement with that because the Lord has told me the same thing. It's going to be cool to be pure again. And, you know, and it's, we're right at that precipice right now. And, you know, people are going to realize how destructive these other paths are, how destructive this stuff is. And, you know, I remember uh, there was a, a church that I was attending. One of the elders in that church came in front uh, of everyone and just confessed you know and him and his wife were elders and he just confessed and said listen i've got a problem i'm getting away from this it's almost ruined my marriage he he caught on and he listed the destructions that happen and by the way this is very common in the church because one of the tools the devil uses is you can't have it and if you can't have something you want it more and more and if you talk to anyone in hospitality when there's a Christian convention in town, their porn numbers go through the roof on the mm -hmm. TVs and stuff like that. Just a fact, folks. We're not condemning. We're just saying there's a sickness out there, and we have to get past it. And what's happening is, and I learned this from your movie, and it just, it just seemed right when I heard it, but it's actually lowering the age slowly and slowly and slowly and more making society more decrepit. Because of it. it, it is a scourge on the earth, this uh, this pornography and it. Well, and also, Jeff, you know, there's a lot of couples <clears throat> that watch porn, you know, together thinking it's going to spice up their marriage. But the issue is whatever you're watching, um, you know, when when you're having a climax, you bond with. 
So if you're watching pornography, you're not bonding with your wife or your husband. You're bonding with what you see on the screen. And so this is why it's something that we need to repent of. Um, you know, and I've, I've mentioned this many times. I mean, I used to have a problem with drinking wine and God said, you've got to put that on the altar. You know, one wasn't enough, two was too many. So we're not throwing stones, whatever it is in your heart that has become an idol. Um, we've got to put that on the altar and, and let it go. And, but if we don't, you know, in Joel chapter two, it says when the priest weep between the porch and the altar, and we all have sinned. And when we do that, it said, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit. It, it, we have to repent first, the whole nation, the whole world, yeah. because we all have sinned. We're not out there saying, well, you guys are the bad guys. No, we all have sinned. Because uh, if you even think about it, a lot of people imagine it. Maybe they don't watch porn, but maybe they're they're in, in their mind uh, fantasizing. And so this is where, you know what I mean? We've got to take control of our thoughts and set our minds on on the things above and and in it satan will throw the thought at your mind like billy graham used to say the first you know look is free like a woman would walk by with me. yes you you're know, responsible it, for the second look <laughs> yeah if you look again that's the that's the look that 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 you'll be judged for or you know and we just have to repent so you i've might... trained my mind to just stare a little bit longer on that first look <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm not. That's actually true. <laughs> because I can't look back. And listen, I'm a guy. I'm just being honest. I'm not perfect, right? But I honestly, well, I'm at the age now too where you know I don't need to undress women with my mind or anything like that any anymore. Um, but for the majority of my life, that's the kind of things that we did, uh, even as a Christian. I was doing that and I realized the consequence of it. You're actually raping that person spiritually. So. Well, you know, I just went to a, a movie premiere at the Newport Beach Film Festival and uh, a guy, my, a friend or not a good friend, but a guy named Benjo Nolan, Benji Nolan. Uh, he's done many films, but he just came out with a, a new film called Buying Her, you know, buying like B-U-Y-I-N-G her. And it shows a guy named Gene, which I've actually interviewed on my podcast. Same thing, raised in a great, you know, home. His dad was a pastor. And he actually said that a woman, a girl babysitter was the one who molested him initially. It was a girl that, um, you know, she was only maybe four years older. And and so, and then the, the dad adopted, you know, kind of a foster care thing and had the kid, you know, kind of stay in the same room. And then this kid had been molested. So then he kind of molested Gene. And it went into this whole thing where he got addicted to porn and strip things. And, and he, his story was unbelievable. He said one day there was a girl walking by. Now it took time for it to get to this place. But he said this was the, his fantasy woman. Something overtook him. And he literally went up to her and she was getting into her car and pretty much pushed her in. And he was going to rape her. I mean, this was a Christian guy. And all of a sudden, she's, you know, kind of like, what do you, he said, you, you could look at the fear in her eye and something hit his mind. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And so what happened was he, he said, I'm so sorry. He ran out. He went in his car. The girl ended up getting his license number, reporting it. And he was exposed. I mean, he said he was so shamed about what he did. I mean, the people that, you know, I think he might even have been working at a church. And he said, this is the beautiful part of the story. He said, there was a guy 
that kept reaching out to him, that kept kind of calling him. I, I believe the Holy Spirit probably put Gene on his heart. Finally met him for lunch. And he said, I don't know why, but I just unloaded on this guy, like told him everything. And the guy afterward got up. I just feel God's heart right now. And he looked at him and he, Gene said, I was clenching my fist, just thinking, oh, the good guy's going to do the same thing. And he looked at him and he goes, you don't understand how much God loves you. And he goes, I'm so sorry you had to go through this. You don't know the love of the father. And he goes, this guy just literally hugged me. And he goes, I just, I feel God's heart. He goes, I just cried in this guy's arms. And he goes, that was the beginning of the cycle that was broken. So this gene now isn't like Alaska. And he goes, 39 years, he's been free. He's 65 now, 66, something like that. But he helps guys and women get out of pornography addiction. They have these different classes and, and it's, it's amazing. But he was one of the guys in the film. And Gene told me, uh, Jeff, that it was 10 years ago that, that Benji came and interviewed him. But it finally got released because God said, now is the time to deal with this porn issue. Because if there was no demand, there'd be no supply. And that's the issue. It's mostly men that buy the traffic girls. Every single girl I interviewed says every guy that will come to them always has a phone and says, I want you to do this. And so that's where the pornography fuels it. And that's where we got to deal with the porn now. Because you look at, if there's a million kids, who's buying all these? Like one of the girls in the movie, as you said, that she would say, I had a lot of married guys. And she goes, is this what I'm going to have to look forward to when I get married? That they're going to go out and look for, you know, women? And, and men, let me tell you this, if you're watching and we're not here to shame you, these girls that you're buying the porn from or buying the, you know, sex trafficking, if anybody watches this that ever has, most people do not want to be trafficked. Most people don't want to be prostitutes. They're not there willingly. That's right. Most of them are victims. And you have to realize that all their money is given to their pimp or their trafficker. It's Most of them are on drugs. Most of them are, like Gene said, I was in a strip club. This was like before he got his freedom. And he said, I looked at one of the girls up on stage and she, he said her eyes were lifeless. They were just like, like shark eyes. They were dead. And so what you're doing to these women, you're perpetrating their victimhood. We need to stand up and say, not on our watch. That's Real right. men don't watch porn. You know, I'm going to make a t-shirt, Jeff, so don't copy me. I'm going to make a t-shirt. No, you can if you want. Um, I've been reborn. I don't watch porn. And and we we got to make a movement of men. That, that, that's, a, that's a good one. And uh, yeah, please, audience, don't steal that either. <laughs> trademark well, it. They want to really steal quick. it. Okay. You got yeah. about three hours before this is put up. So trademark it. <laughs> okay. I'm trademarking. Yeah. Uh, listen, before we close out, and, uh, and I'm going to tell about how, how people can see the movie and stuff like that, but I got to tell you the, the one story, well, all the stories are impactful in this movie. Uh, you really do the character development, just the, the way that you made the movie was very, very good. I want to hand it to you. Uh, the character development was excellent. And, and there's a big payoff in the end, folks. Trust me. It's a big payoff at the end. I don't want to give it away. But the one story that really hit me was the father and the daughter and this father who would go looking for his daughter and he'd be running down the street chasing her and stuff like that and uh, and how they're reunited and, and just, wow. 
Yeah, no, that story was, I remember when we shot that, it was in, uh, you know, an area in Los Angeles. And the father himself had been, you know, addicted to drugs and put in prison. And, you know, so he he sets it up saying, you know, like I, he goes, uh, she wrote me a letter saying, I hope you get life. I hope you never come out. I don't want to see you again. So a lot of these women too do not have fathers. They don't have fathers. That's the problem with most of this. If they had a good father image in the home, that most of the time this wouldn't happen. But this is a redemptive part. He finally got it. And he would go looking for his daughter. And he said one time, he said, I left my car running. He said, I saw her. He goes, I left my car running. He, of course, put it in park, but left it running. And he said, left the keys. And he goes, I ran. He goes, I ran after her. And he was in the middle of the street even. Yeah, middle of the street. And he tracked her down. So, I mean, there's nothing, you know, no matter how dark or different things you've done, the great thing about the end of the movie, uh, the Mark, who was the pimp, the, the trafficker, he talks about redemption. Mm-hmm. See, I have to give happy endings on this. We know there's a lot of sad endings, but I've got to show the story is like people can be freed. And every single one of these stories has a happy ending. And that's what we need to do is we need to tell these stories. That's what Hollywood does. They tell stories. Nobody typically wants to watch a movie that ends bad. Uh, they always want it and they lived happily ever after. So we have these stories, but uh, we want to help people to educate people that, uh, you know, so they don't have to go down this road because the pimps, like you, Mark Miles said, I had all the money, this, the, you know, the cars, the houses, but it was like a mirage. It was gone overnight. So they might That's have right. money for a while, but it was gone overnight. They lost. And then years. these guys are doing 20, 30 years in jail. Right. So, <laughs> Oh yeah, having all that money, it left them with nothing. So speaking of money, Mary, um, you're giving out this film for free. Uh, obviously, there's a substantial cost, not only in your time, but there's expenses. You didn't use cheap equipment to do this. Is there any way that people can help support your ministry, uh, support your filmmaking endeavors? Yes. Well, thanks for asking that question, Jeff. You know, I felt that God didn't want me to charge uh, for it. Um, So what we've done, anybody uh, who donates, of course, you can donate. I'm a nonprofit uh, foundation. Uh, They can go to the website. Um, It's actually, God told me years ago, Mary, your name's right in the middle of America. And I went like, oh, it is. M-E-R-I-C-R-O-U-L-E-Y.com. We do have the trailer up there. You can make a donation to the film. But anybody that donates over $500, um, their name will actually be put in the credits. And my my director said, we will keep adding people in the credits because I'm going to different parts of the country. Like I'll be going to Chicago um, this coming weekend. And on December, we'll be at uh, this great event center called 115 Bourbon Street. Um, it's in Marionetteville, um, Illinois. It's a Chicago suburb. But uh, Bobby Python, um, a lot of people that had ran for different offices, which a lot of them got selected uh, instead of elected, That's a, if you know what I mean. And so uh, we're going to be actually doing a uh, showing there. But, uh, you know, if they want to make a donation of any any type, uh, any amount, that'd be great. But if they donate over 500 or more, they'll, they'll actually have their name or their business in the credits at the end of the screen. And... Uh, People can see that you've been a part of this, like a network that we link arms together and we say, listen, we're going to go out and try to rescue as many people as we can, one victim at a time. 
that that's brilliant that's brilliant so that's m e r i c r o u l e y dot com marycrowley.com and you can make a contribution now mary um you're now you also this- if they could also go to my rumble we're going to be streaming this uh on monday night uh in you know 7 central time 7:30 central time uh that's chicago time central standard time um if people because I've been taken off of different platforms. We're rebuilding different brands. And if they could go also and subscribe to my Rumble, uh, we actually have a subscribe star challenge right now that if people will go and subscribe and share it with other people, because you know, Jeff, now we are the news. Like Andrew Breitbart said, you know, at the last time he spoke, Dr. Jane Ruby told me he had everybody take up their phone and say, you guys now are the media. So if everybody can help us share this, like Stu Peter's movie um, died suddenly, I think in a week's time, they've got 10 million views, 10 million. And that has to do with, you know, the jab and everything else. So I just think if everybody will subscribe to my channel on Rumble or, or BitChute or Mary Crowley Ministries on Facebook and just start sharing it, um, we just want to educate as many people as we can. Absolutely. And and just to get it out further after you premiere it and get people onto your channel, and I understand why you want to do that, uh, I will also put it up on some of my channels to get wider viewage of it. But I'll wait till after it premieres. Yes, yeah. That would be so well. what what time will it be on Monday? Um, well, we're going to probably run it about. It starts at seven, so we'll probably start running it about seven thirty Central Standard Time. Uh, so and it's about an. 80 minute film, you know, an hour and eight minutes or so, 68 minutes, yeah, 68 minutes. And so, um, but, but it, it keeps your attention. Uh, you know, we tell a lot of the stories, there's good B-roll in it. Uh, and, and so it, it actually keeps you uh, mind captured. And at the end, the redemptive stories, like it is a kind of a tearjerker, a good tearjerker. It is, it is. Not a bad tearjerker. I mean, because we want to see the captives set free. And, uh, you know, I'll just finish with this. I feel the Holy Spirit brought it to my mind. You know, people said, well, why did you get started? That was one of the questions. I had a dream years ago where I was on this white horse with Jesus. And I saw these fat sheep. Jesus said, that's my church. I'm not there. And we continued on to this thicket. We had to get off the horse. And we went down the steep embankment. And I saw these sheep but they weren't all huddled together and fat and eating this green grass. They were isolated, one here, one there, one there. They were really broken, emaciated, and they felt really bad, you know, really bad and broken. And Jesus opened up the sneer of the most pathetic looking sheep, lovingly picked up this lamb in his arms and he rolled his head back and he laughed because he came to set. I feel God's heart again. <clears throat> Whenever I feel God's heart, I cry. Uh, He came to set the captives free. So he looked at me and he called me shepherd girl, help me. So Jesus and I started getting these sheep out of snares and we were laughing because it was so much fun to get people free. So we can't look at it. Oh, the bad part about the bondage. No, we got to look at the part that we're helping people get free. And that's That's why at the end I show them free. I don't want to show them like they died or they're sick or that. No, we want to show the ultimate objective is to free these captives, including the pimps and the traffickers. So that's my heart. That's why I'm doing this. And that's why I want to make it free, because we want to set them free. 
Absolutely. And uh, I highly recommend you going and watching this movie. Thank you so much, Mary, for being here. And uh, it'll be Monday night uh, coming up. What's what's the actual date on Monday? It's Monday, December 5th. And, uh, and if you're in the Chicago area, you know, you can actually go to my website. Um, it's actually on my website, the, the flyer for the premiere. Um, it's at 115 Bourbon Street. Um, it's an event center. And uh, we're going to be screening at about 7.30 Central Standard Time, 8.30 Eastern. Um, and that's, you know, uh, what, 5.30 uh, Pacific Time in the United States. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Go to the website and you can get all the details. Thanks very much, Mary. Uh, just a final announcement before I go. Uh, remember, if you want to come down and meet me, I'm going to be in Dallas, Texas a week from now. I'll be there on December 10th. Reckoningfest.com is uh, the event that I'm going to be at. It's just outside of Dallas and Frisco, Texas. And if you do decide to go a right-on radio listener, uh, there's already some who have already sent me their information, but send me an email to writeonjeff uh, at gmail.com and let me know you're coming because I want to bring you a personalized gift uh, from me to you uh, just for coming to the uh, to the event, and I look forward to meeting you there. So that's it for today, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the then Please do go watch this movie. It's worthwhile. I, I truly mean that. And uh, till in the meantime, remember... Love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community.